throughout the playoff season, we've been highlighted as the main attraction. In the New York Times, in the New York Post, our athleticism and our artistry has been comparable to the players on the court, if not more. Shoot, we play better, we dance better as a team most of the time. I got layers to me. I got plans, I got goals, I got tricks on my sleeve. I got calls, I got deals, I got people to meet. I got drive, I got soul, I got everything. I got scars, I got heart, I got family to feed. I got people mad, I ain't who they want me to be. I got people Your purpose is not what you do. Your purpose is not what you do. It is not defined by what your job is, and so being true to yourself is in alignment with your purpose. So I'll just leave that there. I need, yeah, I got loved ones saying that they praying for me. I'm thankful for the prayers. I need more of those. Put my hands together, bow my head, and thank the Lord for everything he's done. Yeah, ain't none of us immortals. That was Celine. I'm Andrew, and this is the Unpretentious Podcast. Celine is a co-captain of the NBA Brooklyn Nets. She has performed on ABC Good Morning America, CBS Bull, MTV, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and in print on Sports Illustrated. I asked her about being a hip-hop performer in Brooklyn, which seems like the epitome of being cool in today's modern culture to me. Here's what she had to say. A lot of people don't know that hip-hop means to know. Like, being hip means to know, and hop is is in reference to the culture or the dance. So, yes, I am in... I'm in the culture. If not anything, I am part of the culture. I am culture stuff. So to be cool and to be hip and to be in the know and to know certain social cues and certain settings and all of that comes from a very authentic place and not a superficial place that might be projected to the rest of the world when it comes to artists and dancers. For me personally, I can't speak for everybody, but for me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not asking you to. <laughs> just, just yourself, your experience. But I, I hear what you're saying, though. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's a very real thing for me and it's a very real passion for me. So that's where all the coolness comes from. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, but your cool factor always comes from your confidence and your conviction in whatever you do. That's why it could come across as we're cocky a lot of the time or we know it all or we just, but that maybe, I'm sorry, it's just coming from the glow within. It's coming from my authenticity and my light within. But to get into my personal story, I started dancing pretty late. I'm going to put quotes around that as a dancer because I started at the age of 12. And a lot of girls that I came up with started dancing when they were like three, four, eight. And I didn't have that opportunity because my mom was a single mother. We lived in the inner city. Typical hood story. So when I started dancing at the age of 12 in sixth, in sixth grade, it was an, an after-school program in my little Catholic private school, and we were dancing in the hallway, no mirrors or anything. And it was just pure joy for me. And so I did that for two years, and my teacher there told me about the studio that she taught at in a very, just to be factual, a very white town which mm -hmm. with a lot of money. And when I got there, I took one class, and the director came to me, and she said, hey, I want you to come to my school. And I was like... Thanks, but I don't know if my mom can afford it. And she said, no, I want to give you a scholarship. I want you to come here for free. And that's when my, I think my real training really, really, really began. And from there, I went to Earl Mosley's Institute for the Arts in Connecticut. I went to the Ailey School in New York. And then I also earned my BFA from the University of the Arts in Philadelphia. I also became part of a hip hop company in Connecticut with Paul and Brian Herman, 
my dance journey just grew from there. I really wanted to be a technical dancer, meaning I wanted to do ballet and modern and all of those things and be part of the Ailey company. But that changed once I got to college and I realized that wasn't the route I wanted to take in. I wanted to be a commercial dancer, which is what I do now. You know, NBA dancing, TV, film, you know, dancing behind artists, music videos, all of that. And I made that decision when I was in college. And in my sophomore year of college, I auditioned to be represented by Clear Talent Group, who are my wonderful agents now. And I also, four months later, made the Brooklyn Nets dance team. And I've been on the team. This has been my sixth season that we just wrapped up the playoffs. Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) This will be my sixth season, or this has been my sixth season as Brooklyn Nets, co-captain and choreographer. Done a lot of cool work with a lot of artists, a lot of different cool jobs as a commercial dancer, and more to come. And when you say cool jobs, those are TV appearances, VMA, late shows, like with Jimmy Fett. I'm, I'm just mentioning those just because that's like a frame of reference for people, not not to brag, but it's like you're you're really someone who does work on this industry at a high level. Help me understand, I guess, the food chain of commercial dance world. Like, is there aspirations? You're like, yeah, I'm doing these things, but the, if I could do this and this, that would really be cool. How do you kind of see yourself or see the industry in general? So, yes, it's just funny to hear people say now, like, oh, you're wor- you're working at a really high level in the industry. Like, you're really in the industry. And I'm like, I am. I really am. Because <laughs> a couple of years ago, I... Couldn't even, I mean, I wanted these things, right? And I've manifested manifested these things, these things by the grace of God, but I could have never imagined that I would have the knowledge I have now. So the food chain per se is when you, you start taking classes in the city, especially in New York or LA, big cities like that. You want to get into the dance scene. You start taking classes, you get, you become friends with certain people. Uh, there's this thing called carnival where it's a choreographer showcase. And so you start doing things like that. You just want people to notice you. Then you get represented by an agency or you don't. And that's how you get work. That's how you go on auditions and things. And so back then being green, I think I've gotten all of my experience by just auditioning. Like I didn't train and know everything and then start working. Like a lot of the things that I know have come from being on the job. Even though I have done the VMAs and the Late Show and Jimmy Fallon, all of these things, I still want to do more. I still want to tour with an artist. I think that's been my biggest aspiration since I began in this commercial world. I want to creative direct. I want to be the choreographer on the job. Like there's so many other things that you want to achieve besides just being, and not even saying just being, but instead of being the dancer, you know, just the dancer. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. There's a lot of networking that goes into that. I can talk for days about that, but yeah, I would say that would be the food chain. Like you start out taking class, and then maybe you you get repped by an agency, then you get on your first job, and from there you meet other people and you network, and then you get on your other job and the next job, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh shoot, I did all of this stuff, and now the choreographer might want you to assist them, and then you from there you become the choreographer. And there's different styles of dance, and obviously ballerina would be a different way to succeed at a different level. But in terms of what you're doing athletically, I get that there's like designing the dance or being more involved in different areas of it, but athletically speaking what is like the the apex of what a lot of people might consider like I've arrived if I'm considered the best dancer in this or I got this job honestly I would say what I'm doing now as a Brooklyn Nets dancer we are a very 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 athletic team 
and we don't require our dancers to have tumbling skills or anything like that but that's a big plus in this world if you're able to tumble and I think for me personally and dance is, is subjective right the athletic capability of anybody is I think especially in dance is subjective because like you said it's a different facility that you're using to be a ballerina so I can't really say like oh this is the most athletic but if I had to say in the commercial world being an NBA not even being an NBA dancer being a Brooklynette is the hardest <laughs> because you are dancing at such a high impact, such a high speed that it's unbelievable. Like if I were to attach like a monitor to me, like we are really dancing at the speed of light. The agility that you need to move this way and the athleticism that you need to move this way and to keep doing this, it's like you're you're running a marathon every game, honestly. I would say that this job is the most athletic that I've done. Yeah, well, I, the physical demanding part, but I do you feel... How does it, because like, it, does, it doesn't feel like you're the main attraction, though, so that seems a little weird to me. It's like, do people, does society in general just not appreciate dance, where it's like, this is the thing that is like, if you are the most skilled at this particular thing, you are the entertainment for another entertainment sport. You know what I'm saying? To me, that doesn't... I do what you're saying, and it's funny that you say we're not the main attraction, because throughout the playoff season, we've been highlighted as the main attraction. In the New York Times, in the New York Post, like, we so people are, have... People are coming to watch Kevin Durant play. Oh, no, they're coming to watch KD, of course. They're coming for the sporting event. But we also, our athleticism and our artistry has been comparable to the players on the court, if not more. Shoot, we play better. We dance better as a team most of the time. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, we've been, we've been noticed for that. And we've been, our hard work has been noticed. I, one year, a couple years ago, um, when we had Kenny as our coach, he actually, that coaching staff of that season, asked my coach to come into their locker room to talk about how we work so well as a team. Like how, how well-oiled our machine is. Like the dance coach went to go talk to the coaching staff of the Brooklyn Nets to let them know, this is how we warm up. This is how we run rehearsal, which would be equivalent to practice. All of these things and really broke it down for them because back then, you know, the Nets wasn't really all that. But just to compare, like, yes, we're not the main attraction of this sporting event, but we do. You're recognized. We are more than recognized. Absolutely. Well, that, well, yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm just thinking about it from my selfish perspective. Like if I was playing football, it's like I want, want to be playing football during a cheerleading competition for the few times they could fit me in there. I'd be like, no, I, this is what I'm doing. is so cool. Like, why don't people appreciate it? Like, that's just how I would feel. Why do you think it's harder for people to appreciate dance? Maybe you disagree that people do, but why, like society in general, is it just that it's harder to understand what you do and what makes a good dancer? Why is something like basketball where there's like a clear objective, get the ball in the hoop, and it, like you don't really need to know anything to know what their goal is? What is the goal of dancing and, and why is it so hard to appreciate? I think the misunderstanding of it, like you said, why it, people just don't understand is part of that. But also, if you think about entertainment as a whole, it's always, especially as a dancer, you're always in a supporting role, right? When you go to a concert and you see the dancers, they're supporting the artist. When you go to a, a game, the dancers or the dance team are supporting the vibe. Like, even though we are providing the vibe, we are still like, and then the dancers, it's always like, we're the pips and the main attraction is Gladys Knight. So I think that's why, there's, there hasn't been a thing where it's like the dancer is a superstar to society versus 
in the dance world, we have our own superstars and they are the main attraction when they have their workshops and their conventions and this and that. But to mainstream, I think entertainers are always the backdrop because we're always playing the supporting role. Does that that make sense? Yes. And you're speaking in the context of commercial work. Within commercial work, your goal is to be supportive and not the main event per se. And it's funny because a lot of the, yes, to answer your question, yes, I'm speaking in terms of commercial work. I can't really even begin to talk about concert dance. And that's, when I say concert dance, I mean ballet companies, modern companies, all of that. But yes, in terms of the commercial world, we are supporting it. Even if we are the main attraction in a commercial, our artistry is still supporting the sales of whatever we're trying to sell. Well, same thing with the NBA. They're selling tickets. There's a business. Everything's a business at the end of the day. Everything is a business. I mean, hence why we are commercial dancers. My art is the commodity. My body is the commodity. Like, I am selling myself. That's why it's commercial. Right. But, yeah, I've always I've always juggled with that question where it's like, damn, I want to be the star. I mean, I am the star in my own right. But if I were to go on tour with an artist, I'm so-and-so's dancer i'm not the artist you know yeah but i don't i don't know if that's how that's how i feel and i don't know that, that feeling is right like i don't i don't know that that's healthy or a good thing the competitive part of me and i guess it's like if i'm going to compete like i want to compete at the highest level at the highest thing not just whatever i find important it's like well that's what other people should think is important too and it's like well maybe not and maybe i should just enjoy the fact that this is what you know speaks to me and if other people enjoy it great completely and I think when it when it's compared to sports y'all have a championship that you need to play for you're competing as a dancer you're not competing with anybody unless you're doing competition dance but that's another story but as uh, as a commercial dancer I'm not competing with anybody in in that sense like there's not a prize the prize is you're doing what you love to do and like that I guess that's where the artistry comes in yeah and that doing what you love to do could you help me understand that if it is a goal or how would you speak about what you do where it's like, obviously of all the people who dance, you were selected, you were chosen. So there's something you're doing that, that separates you from other people that people agree she is doing this better than others. So what exactly there is some sort of goal, even if it's not as clear cut as winning a championship. Yes, that's what I mean. So, but what, what is it then? (laughs) How would you attempt to put words to it? I guess it really depends on the dancer. I take it back. There is always a goal. (laughs) But like you said, it's not as clear cut as winning a championship, right? If your goal is to be an NBA dancer, then obviously your goal is to crush the audition and be really great at picking up choreography, really great at performing in that certain level in X, Y, and Z. If your goal is to, let me take it back. Let me take it back. And the goal is to be the best, your best self. I will say that. Your goal as a dancer should be to be your best self. And yes, there's technicalities. Obviously, you need to have raw talent. And obviously, you need to be able to have the step and pick up choreography and perform and all of those things. And I guess that would be like the major goal of getting work, of achieving whatever you want to achieve. You're really busting my brain right now. Now I'm like, damn, I've never really thought about it from an analytical like 
standpoint. Well, that's where that, like I've, I've spoken with two other dancers, I should say, like one was an NFL cheerleader and the other was from Ukraine, but she watched, it was actually, I forgot the name of the movie, it was some hip hop movie and she got inspired and she just in her brain, she's like, I'm going to New York to study, even though that's not the premier place considered to Europe. And she wanted to do like her version of that. And so, and then there was another dancer as well who in America for a ballet company, I think in New Mexico. And the conversation is always, it's like we're doing something that can't be expressed with words. 100%. I think that's the biggest thing. And I think that's where the artistry comes in. Like there's just how sports has sports analysts. There's no way you can really like define what we do because it's all so subjective. But then again, like I said, there's comp, there's dance competitions. But even then, I left that world when I was young because I was like, how can you judge how I'm dancing? Like, how are you going to give me points on what I'm doing? Yes, okay, you can give me points if my foot is sickled or not pointed correctly or if my leg didn't get high enough. But for me personally, then now the artistry is taken out of it. And, you know? Right, because you confuse this self-expression. Like maybe you expressed yourself perfectly exactly the way you wanted to. And who is someone else to say that? No, you're wrong. It's like, but this wasn't about you. And like you're saying, the technical things you can critique, but the other, it's more, it's more, does it resonate with you? Or does it strike other people as important too? Or is it just me? Yeah. But that's a much different game than an NFL, like let's look at the touchdown record. Or let's look at the scoreboard. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, how well did you, unless you mess up for it. Like for me being an NBA dancer, okay, yeah, it would be crazy if I went freaking off the wall and just did a different piece of choreography than what we had rehearsed. There's just shit, certain things that you don't do. <laughs> that, there's obviously like the entertainment aspect of dance or just, but then one of the, one of the definitions I heard of artists that I like is artists the reason it can't be said with word besides just a medium of dance, it's not like, you know, you're, you're singing or you're talking, it's, it's dance, but they're like, part of that is because when you go into the unknown, it's not like you immediately come back with a fully articulated way of telling your experience with logic and words. It's like, I need to act something out to give you an idea of what was unseen and unknown previously. But now I'm, I'm taking that unseen reality and I'm making it more visible through dance. To me, that definition is like, oh, that, that's really helpful because if they're an artist doing something new that's never been done before, it's something new to them, words, words are further down the process of being creative. At this point, it's just, it, it, it was like this movement or it felt like this and it's, some, it's something you understand intuitively, not logically. And although there are logistics to dance, like I said, like how to point your feet correctly or how to pop correctly or how to block correctly. Yes, there is just an element of it that you cannot put into words or explain logically. Well, we're on a podcast with words and I also happen to be someone who's very much... <laughs> someone who's very much verbally inclined. So I, I agree with that. But is there any is there any words you could do to help someone who is more in the world of words to that spoke to me, but what how would you try to say it? Or what would you what would you say to someone who's like, well give me an explanation in words of something that can't be put into words? <laughs> <laughs> of what dance is in general or maybe it's what? how what maybe it's I how to appreciate it or how to understand it or how to how to just say, well this isn't the world I operate in and I'm trying to understand it through my lens of words and logic. So can I get some help? 
Well, the best way to understand dance is to experience it. The best way to really understand it is to just do it because it is a physical thing. It's the most, I don't know if I'm saying this word correctly, but ephemeral, is that the right word? Like it's the most ephemeral experience. It's here and then it's gone. It's like you're on a constant high and it takes incredible strength, courage, agility, and vulnerability to do. But it is the most beautiful form of expression in my opinion because it's completely uninhibited. Did I do a good job? <laughs> I, hope, I hope I explained it as best as I could. Well, you did. I'm just thinking of the experiences I've had where I do go watch a ballet or I do go watch a performance. And it's like, I'm desperate for little notes where they tell me something about the story so I can try to like understand. When you don't know any of the language of dance or you don't even know the story of what it's trying to portray, I just feel so lost. I need a lot so of help is what I'm saying. But what you're saying makes sense. It's just yeah, I'm thinking so like, you know, it's like, well, I don't even know anything about your technique. And a lot of the dancers will say that. It's like the things that are really hard, people don't even appreciate. Only fellow dancers know how technically challenging it was. And the crowd likes kind of the cheap tricks. That's a fact. That is really a fact. And I can't, again, I can't explain those things to you because it won't make sense to you. Nobody will understand how hard it is. You have to go through years of knowing how to finesse your movement and find your voice. It's like being a writer. Your first pieces are not going to make an editorial. Nobody understands the the back, the legwork that goes into that. I will say that. And that I can't explain to you. As far as a story goes, artists of art is subjective. Yes, you have things like Swan Lake and the Nutcracker, which are trite story. Like it's true, it's a mm-hmm. story, storyline. But it's like going to an art gallery if you were to view a piece of work. There's not going to be an explanation next to every painting or every statue or every whatever. You know what I mean? It's open to the viewer to decide what I'm saying. And I think the most skilled dancers are able to language their dance through their movements. I tell this to my students all the time. Dancing is like speaking. And again, you have to experience it. Not only do you have to do it, but you have to watch it so that you, you understand the vocabulary a little bit more. It's like reading a book. You're not going to know how to read until you keep reading. Yeah, I tell my students all the time that dancing is, you have to language it in the, in the sense, like from a technical standpoint, and I can show you because we're on Zoom, but if I'm doing all my movements like this, that's, an, that's equivalent to me yelling at somebody. To find the finesse, like, takes a lot of work and you can't appreciate that unless you're actually in it and unless you're actually watching it to speak to what you said about the story. That's up to you. That's up to you. And unless you don't unlock that part of your brain where it's nothing, it doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be logical. That's the beauty of art. It can be whatever you want it to be. I am curious about some of your experiences where, you, like you're saying, you're operating in this world that's not the nine-to-five job of running the numbers and crunching the reports to, to meet the quotas and all that. So for people who are on the other end of the spectrum or even people in your career but who haven't had the experience that you've had, I'm curious, what was the feeling like of getting selected for a team or your first time you're appearing on TV? What did you learn from that? Like you said, previously, you would never have pictured yourself being here. Like this is not how I conceived of myself. I didn't picture myself this way. It was a dream. It's now I'm struggling just to believe it's true. 
what has it actually been like on TV or to have a stadium full of people cheering? What is that like? How do you stay humble? How do you not lose yourself? <laughs> oh, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions. Andrew Ning. Which one can I start with? Okay. How does it feel? I'll tell you how it feels first to like have my first TV appearance or to make the team or when I was rep first represented by my agency. If I could put it into words, it would be like, wow. I mean, really a dream come true. It's like having to pinch myself over and over again. But me being the competitive person and knowing that I'm my biggest competition and my biggest critic, it's like, it makes you hungry for more. You're like, oh shoot, I did this. Okay, what can I do next? What can I achieve next? What's the next level that I'm trying to unlock? For me personally, I'm, this is so bad to say, but I'm never satisfied. But having the balance of um, being super hungry that way and then also looking back on my achievements and being like, wow, I did that. And being super proud of my, like just being proud of myself and also my story, it's like, it really is a dream come true. There's really no words to describe it. Wow, I did that. <laughs> so I hate complacency too, but how do you find happiness? Because it's easy for someone who's operating in a, in a different sphere saying, well, happiness is to be found in more artistic endeavors, but even in art, the same personality trait of saying, I want to get better. I want to be the best. That still drives you and you're never as happy as you could be. Or how, how do you think about happiness and just enjoying your life? I've learned to be more present. You're never going to find happiness chasing what's next. Happiness doesn't exist outside of the present. Happiness doesn't exist when you get somewhere. Happiness exists now. And I think I've just now learned that. To go back into my story a little bit, when I was a full-time student, full-time college student, I was at school in Philadelphia, and I was also a full-time dancer in Brooklyn. So that commute, I don't know where you're from in the country, but that's a three-hour commute both ways and I was again doing that as a full-time student a full-time dance student so my body was really going through it and then on top of that I'm in college and I go I went to a liberal arts school obviously so well it's an art school so it's all liberal arts so I was doing a lot of reading and writing and a lot of physical work so then I was very you know I had my blinders on but I was always chasing something now that I've settled in Brooklyn and now that I have my apartment and I live down the street from Barclays Center and I'm not commuting from state to state to state, not to mention my family moved in Connecticut. So I was super East Coast. I was going from Connecticut to New York, to Philly, to Jersey, to Brooklyn, back to Connecticut, doing all this stuff. Now that I'm here and I have peace and I've left that season of that kind of hustle, I now know that happiness has always been in here, has always been in me. And that's how I stay happy is by staying present and appreciating the moment and living here and not thinking about what's next and being like, oh, I'll be happy when I make X amount of money or I'll be happy when I'm dancing with X, Y artists. That has a lot to speak to my spiritual journey as well and how close I am to God and how close I've gotten to myself, which means I'm closer to God and how close I am to spirit because He's always going to have you. I don't know your beliefs. I'm sorry. I don't mean to pick on anybody or bring it to the podcast. You know what I'm saying? But I've just learned that he's always going to have me. My spirit team is always going to have my back. And so I owe it to them to be happy now and not wait to be happy in the future that I can't even control. And my perception of artistic community, and this is, again, one coming from ignorance, is that God, or at least 
the God of a Christian faith, I should say, is it's not a popular in, in thing. It would be viewed as judgmental or oppressive. So it's, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious, like in terms of your career, I mean, that, I mean, I, it's obviously your personal life and I'm glad you're speaking about it. Cause it's like, you know, what a great way to get to know someone is the actual things that matter to them, not just a performance to say, this is what everyone wants to hear. Or, Let me sell you this dream of the answer to my, all my problems is found through something I can purchase or acquire rather than actually dealing with the inner, you know, the inner truth and the inner struggle. Have you, you never felt self-conscious about having faith and working in the industry or how do you, how do you approach that? Cause I've, you've mentioned staying true to yourself and not losing yourself. So have has that been a struggle or what's that experience been like? I'll speak to your last question, not losing myself. And what I mean by that is a lot of the time, especially in the entertainment industry, you get so wrapped into what you have to sell or what you have to portray that you start to forget who you are. And a lot of times I tell my students at just a very basic level, when you go into an audition, you make the box fit you. You don't make yourself fit that box. And again, just going back to logistics, yes, they might be looking for a certain type. That's just what the that's what the industry is. However, you make that type fit you. And that's what I mean by not losing yourself. Trying not to sell yourself short or not show parts of yourself just because you're trying to get a job or keep a job. If you feel, if you're in a space where you feel like you're outgrowing or you're not able to express yourself fully, to me, that's losing yourself. And you have to, have to sit back as an artist and reevaluate what, what means more, especially as a commercial dancer. You could be on tour with an artist, a male artist, say you're on tour with a male artist and you're a female dancer. You could be asked to do something that you're not comfortable with morally. Losing yourself would be doing that thing that you don't agree with to keep a check versus staying true to yourself and being like, I can't do that. I'm a dip out and trusting that God's going to have your back regardless. And there's a lot of things that happen in this industry that you could be faced with. I'm blessed to say I have not been faced with anything that crazy. I do know that right now where I'm at now, I do feel like the space I'm in, I'm outgrowing. I do feel like I'm hitting the ceiling. And although I'm sad that we did not go to the finals, I am blessed to say that I have now more free time to pour my artistry into the things that I want to grow. Like I want to plant seeds for myself. I want to grow my own brand. And not to say that I'm not happy representing the Brooklyners. I will always be happy representing Brooklyn. But there's things that are part of me and part of my brand that I need to give more time and energy to, you know, to make sure that I'm constantly informing my work there with who I am versus informing my other work with who I am there. Does it does, sense? and I would say the key part is that for some people, they don't have anything greater to define themselves than I'm a dancer. And that's a problem. And that's where you need to see yourself and figure out who you are. And that was a journey for myself, honestly. Like, I didn't think, I feel like I've always known, but I didn't have time to water that until I was able to be where I'm at now. Like, sit down in my apartment and think about it. I was, there was no way. How could I figure out who I am when I'm hustling and running from state to state on train, train, don't know how I'm going to eat next, the next day, and, like, I got a paper due and all this stuff? How could I focus on cultivating Celine, 
the person spiritually answering the brand. Yes, you have to have a level of faith. And yes, of course, you know who you are through all of that, right? Innately, we're all individuals and we know that. But to really, really sit down and know who you are, that really takes a moment of stillness and patience, for sure. And I'm still figuring it out. I feel like you never really know. I feel like once you hit a place, it's like playing a video game. There's constantly different levels that you're trying to unlock when it comes to knowing who you are. And I would say for those people who only define themselves as dancers, they're still green and they're just at a place where they need to sit with themselves a little bit more. I agree with what you're saying. I think I think there's nuance to it because if you truly weren't learning more about who you were or at least not losing values you did have, it's like how when you reach a higher and higher level of success and it's like if I compromise something I don't even know how I feel about because I'm not sure how I define myself, it will let me achieve this TV appearance. So it, it, to me, it, like it seems it's harder if you truly didn't even, like I don't even know what I believe, I don't know what's right or what's wrong. Well, then if someone comes up and says, do this thing you're unclear about and I'll let you go on tour with me, which is your big dream, then how would you be in a position to be like, now's the time for me to sit? Like it's, what do you think about that? Well, that, again, like I said, I was learning myself through the process. Now that I'm able to chill out, okay, I can find myself on a deeper level, on a next, I'm unlocking a different level. But of course, through that journey, I was able to find myself through experience. So with the scenario that you just gave, you might not know what that you're not uncomfortable that you might not know that you're uncomfortable with something until you actually do it then you're like oh shit okay yeah no i'm, I'm never doing that again cool you unlock the level yes it's a balance between learning through experience and also being still so like i said i was on go for five years i did that kind of hustle for five years what did i learn about myself through those five years that i'm a hard worker and i'm a hustler and that i can do anything that's thrown at me and i'm super resilient my heart is resilient. My mind is resilient. I learned all of those things through experience. Now that I'm able to sit in some stillness, I'm able to learn different things. That's a common thread I've heard from other dancers as well, the word resilience. And I think part of that is, again, you're operating in a world of intuition. If intellect is required to get ahead logically, resilience is required ahead to get intuitively. Oh, hundred it doesn't intersect with maybe the corporate world of how things get defined and how value is assigned. There's an IQ test, but tell me the resilience test. Resilience comes down to your spirit and how much faith you have when you're told no a million times and you don't know when the yes is going to come. And you had an opportunity to say yes, but you said no in that moment because you still believe it's not worth giving up who I am, even though you've had a string of a hundred no's and you finally got a yes. Like That cannot be easy. How much faith do you have? Good question. This is coming maybe from my bias perspective of, again, you're someone who represents like the cool, the hip, the in, where social acceptance or acceptance and how you want to define that. It's like, that's, that's, that's how I picture what your career is rightly or wrongly. So to me, to be validated on such a high level, i.e. TV, which is, you know, theoretically millions or a stadium, which is people right in your face giving you the, you know, the feedback instantly. I get why people would lose themselves to that, because that, that's got to be powerful. 
And so I'm just curious, like you mentioned, like, you know, I feel like I'm treated like a star. I feel like I'm those moments. It feels like it unlock, like it, if you feel like your potential is unlocking and this person who's more than you ever thought you could be is there manifesting itself in the present and people are responding positively. What is that like? Cause that's not just a good job on getting the Excel spreadsheet done moment. <laughs> this is something completely different where it's like, it is personal. It is self-expression. It's everything I thought about myself is being told. It's lovely. It's good. It's beautiful. It's wanted. How does someone say no to that? And then what does that unlock in you that not having that experience doesn't do? First, I want to say thank you for saying all of that, because in that statement, you just validated me. And as an artist, even though you just said, like, we are given instant and constant validation. Me personally, I don't see it that way. I'm constantly still searching for validation. So, and that is an insecurity that I feel a lot of artists have. So thank you for putting that out there because that is super important. I should be so grateful that people do view me as a star. Even if sometimes I have my days where I don't see myself that way because I'm constantly still fighting to be the best for myself. So thank you. How do I not lose myself in that? Again, the man upstairs really staying grounded in my spirit, having the people around me who humble me, keeps me humble. You know, I don't, I don't know if I can curse on here, but go ahead. <laughs> I don't, I don't shit on anybody around me. That speaks to my upbringing too. My family keeps me very humble. The people around you, the people in your circle are super important because if they let you get all heady and in your head and you start shitting on people and you start that's how you begin to lose yourself in all of that instant gratification and validation and the fame and all of that stuff. But I'm blessed to say that my family keeps me grounded. My faith keeps me grounded. My very few close friends keep me grounded. And honestly, people like you, like I said, I'm very grateful that you said that. I have random people reach out to me all the time, just letting me know how much I'm inspiring them or how much I've inspired others. And because I'm so grounded in my faith and because I'm so humbled by my upbringing and my family and my friends, those kind of things don't make me lose myself. Those kind of things are what help me push further and want to continue doing what I'm doing, not for the fame, but because I know what I'm doing, somebody else is feeling and I'm helping somebody else. I'm helping a little girl or a little boy see that their dreams are possible because I was once that little girl. That's what keeps me humble, all of those things. So thank you for putting that into perspective. I was about to get emotional real quick. (sighs) You're welcome. And just an observation of what you said, like one of the keys to success is not making it about you. I mean, part of what you're doing as much as it is self-expression, it is also recognizing the way to interact with other people where they enjoy their performance too. But I think that's one of the things is, as soon as you start making it about you and in one sense, accepting the validation and feeling the moment, well, then you become complacent, then you become lack. So it's a hard, it is a hard battle between, it feels like a, I can either choose to be successful or choose to be mediocre and happy. (laughs) (laughs) Just to respond to that, actually, like there's always a balance because even though I'm not always dancing for myself, I still have to balance it with the fact that, yes, I am dancing for myself. Yes, I am. I want to be the best for myself. It's like, well, who's measuring your success? Are you measuring your success or is society measuring your success and your happiness? 
So there's definitely a balance there, being proud of myself and wanting to achieve, achieve, achieve. And then also knowing that having that grounding experience of that I'm doing this for my family and for everybody else out there who I'm inspiring, you know, so there's a balance there. And then just to speak to the, like being authentic, not doing it for yourself and not digging yourself up in your head comes from, again, being authentic. I'm cool because I'm humble. I would just like to say that if I could boast for a second. My cool factor comes from the fact that, like I said at the beginning of this, my confidence comes from within. And yes, although it's validated by all of these external things, again, just to go back to it, it's also validated by like how grounded I am. I've achieved this cool factor by being myself and not trying to be anybody else other than myself and just staying true to who I am and not making it all about me. That's why I'm cool, because I'm real. I agree with that definition. I think part of the problem comes when people start to get a vision from their life through something they admire about someone else, even though that's not who they are. It's mm -hmm. like, we're not all going to be NBA stars or dance. It's like you were created for something different. So even though you might enjoy something, that may not be who you are or what you were caught. So I think that's hard for some people when they're trying so hard to be something they're not. Like that's that's a tough thing to face or to realize. It's, it's, it's got to be aligned. And then I'll end with this question, which is going for full circle and hopefully tying some things together, at least in my head. At the very beginning, you mentioned like, what's cool is being true to who you are. And it's like, well, that's true. But someone who's being true to being an accountant... <laughs> Like they may be the best accountant in the world and they, they may be the most truest of being a real accountant who's just crunching the numbers and looking for, but no one in broad society is going to validate them as like, dude, that's what you did with those Excel spreadsheet numbers, making them match and balancing out. That was the coolest thing I've ever seen. They don't get that sort of validation in the way an entertainer does because your job is to entertain or to be some version of cool. So my question is... Just like people who go to war, they kind of they come back and they carry themselves differently because of what they've seen and the things they've been bonded to. It, that experience gave them something that they just carry themselves differently through life. How do you think you carry yourself differently having gone through the experiences that you've gone through of being an entertainer who has succeeded? How could other people learn to have the same confidence or pose or to realize, hey, I, I can be just like her even if I'm not an entertainer. This is the this is the insecurities I'm dealing with or the things about myself I didn't even know because they were hidden. Well, you're someone who probably had them put right in your face because you've had to deal with that. So, What I can say to that is your purpose is not what you do. Your purpose is not what you do. It is not defined by what your job is. And so being true to yourself is in alignment with your purpose. So I'll just leave that there. Purpose is not in what you do. How do I carry myself differently after what I've been through and what I've, what I've experienced and through my experiences? There's this thing in popular culture now where they say the glow is different, right? You glow different. The glow up is real. I'll say that. I, I could put it into words because, again, I feel like this is something that I can't even explain. But my glow is different and the glow up is real. I have really glowed up. That has come from stepping into my purpose. And I hate to sound like a broken record, but staying true to myself and knowing who I am and staying on that journey to know, like 
continuously learning, like always learning about who I am and how, how much more I can give. I feel like a queen. I feel like a queen after everything that I've been through. And the crown is getting a little heavy. It's getting a little heavy because once you reach, <laughs> once you reach a certain point, things start to become a responsibility. Now, when someone says, oh, you're, you're actually part of this industry at, in such a high capacity, I'm like, oh, shoot, yes, I am. So now I'm in a different place of responsibility because there's people, like you said, part of this question who are looking like, how can I be just like her in what I do? There was a intensive that I did a couple years ago called Motivating Excellence, and it's run by Rhapsody James, who's an amazing choreographer and creative director. And that program, although was dance focused and art focused in terms of, like I said, dance and acting and things like that. There's, I have friends who have left that program motivating their excellence in a different way outside of dance because of what they learned from that program, because of what they learned through movement, music, the arts. And so to wrap that back up into saying that your purpose is not what you do, we're all vessels, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just a vessel and dance is the vehicle that I'm able to share my experience. The accountant may be able to share his experience through crunching those numbers, but if his purpose doesn't lie in that. Don't ever question if I hustle, work a double. Drop a bomb on me, I climb right out the rubble. Not a struggle, tossing me under the bustle. Get you muzzled, pop your bubble. Pop, throw your compliments right out the window. So unique with this, I could flip the script and change the schedule.